Chapter Thirteen of Doomsday Eve by Robert Moore Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Doomsday Eve, Chapter Thirteen. At first, the lighted matches under his toenails hurt like the very devil. He had never known such pain. Then he forgot about the matches under his toenails. They started lighting them under his fingers. Where did they go? Kuso screamed. How did they do it? Zen had long since ceased trying to say that he didn't know. Instead of speaking, he shook his head. This was all he could do. Kuso interpreted the headshake as a stubborn refusal to answer. He kicked the colonel in the face. At the kick, the race mind clicked in. This was the effect Zen had as if a third person had suddenly come in on a party line. After that, the pain from the kick did not seem so important. The torture from the matches under his nails seemed to diminish also. Not that the contact with the race mind nullified the pain or made it any less real. Fire was still fire and torture was still the same, but neither were very important. Other things were. Zen tried to concentrate his attention on the other things. The room, the shouting Kuso, the two Asians who were holding him down while the third thrust the matches under his nails, the shivering Cal, the lieutenant who was over-eager to obey his leader's orders—all these seemed to become misty and vague. These things were real, there was no question about that. But his mind was contacting another reality which made these things different. Time began to lose its meaning. He wondered if he was fainting. Another question came across his thoughts, heeled over like a sailing ship moving across the wind. Was he dying? There was no shock with the thought. If that was the way it was, then he was more than ready. "'You are not fainting, and you are not dying,' the race-mind whispered to him. "'Come closer to me.' "'How do I come closer to you?' "'Let go.' The voice of the race-mind was like a whisper from the other side of infinity. Let go and come to me. Dimly, he wondered how one let go. The answer came with the question. The words meant exactly what they said. The meaning was literal. Let go. As he performed the action that went with the words, the big gallery, Cuso, the lieutenant, and the torturers faded away and became a part of a misty world that seemed to have no real existence. Even the pain vanished. "'Come to me,' the race-mind whispered again and again, a luring voice that drew him irresistibly. Abruptly he was back in the gallery. He did not know how long he had been gone, but he realized that some time must have passed, enough to allow them to set up a portable radio transmitter in the gallery. The set looked to be very powerful. A yellow-skinned operator was huddling over the controls. In contact with Asian headquarters, Zen thought. He knew his thinking was correct. Off somewhere in the distance, outside the mountain, the night shuddered. He knew the meaning of the sound. A rocket ship was either landing or blasting off, probably the latter. A long line of burdened Asians was moving through the gallery. At the sight of their loads, Zen knew what had gone into the hold of that ship. The equipment of the hidden center here. 
he saw parts of the super-radar go past on the backs of sweating Asian soldiers, and he knew where this was going. At this knowledge, anguish came up in him. With West's super-radar in their possession, no American secret was safe from prying Asian eyes, unless some way could be found to shield the frequencies employed. Such shielding might work for laboratories, but there was no way to shield troop movements and takeoffs and landings. These would be as public as an advertisement. His face was wet. He could not understand this until another bucket of water hit him. An Asian bent over him, saw that his eyes were open, and grunted with satisfaction. They started again on his fingers. The radio operator called to Kuso, giving him a message. Zen could not understand the language, but the Asian leader was both startled and elated. He shouted at the men carrying loads to work faster. Not much time left. Big bomb coming. What bomb? Zen thought. With the question came the answer. Warned by Kuso that their preparations were probably known, the Asians had decided to launch their super-bomb immediately. Turmoil came up inside Zen at this knowledge. Real pain came from his fingertips as the torturers began operations again. "'Do you want to die?' the race-mind whispered in his thoughts. Although he couldn't contact it, the race-field could reach him. "'You have suffered all that is required. You have met the law. You may join me if you wish. I... Zen shut off his thinking. This was fantasy, the product of torture and nearing dissolution. His own imagination was tricking him, he thought. This is not your imagination, the answer came. This is what you call the race mind. But... How do you know? You don't. At this point you have to accept me on faith. The thinking flowing smoothly into his mind went into silence, then came again, stronger than before. Do you want to die? You have earned the right. No, Zen answered. He screamed the words again. No, no! The path before you will be difficult. I don't care how difficult it is. There's work to be done. Again he shouted the words. Very well. It is your choice. You may remain among the living for as long as your strength may last." The voice whispering in his mind went into silence. Kurt continued screaming. Pain raced through his consciousness again. As he came awake he realized that he was screaming at the torturer to stop. He also realized that the Asian had stopped. There was a sound in the gallery. Filling the air it seemed to emerge from the very walls of the mountain itself the note of a violin. High and sweet and compelling, the sound came from nowhere. Every atom in the solid stone walls seemed to pick it up and to rebroadcast it. The molecules of the air seemed to dance in resonance with it. Simultaneously, about ten feet above the floor, the face appeared again. The lieutenant's rifle blasted at it. He fired shot after shot at point-blank range. Red-hot slugs howled from the walls of the big gallery in a cacophony of death. The face smiled at the lieutenant. The lips moved. "'Keep shooting, old fellow,' the lips seemed to say. The officer emptied his gun. In a desperate burst of fear he threw it at the mocking face. 
the weapon passed through the face without harming it. "'You fool! That's a projection, not a real person!' Kuso shouted. He grabbed the officer by the shoulder and spun him backward to the floor. "'Who are you?' he demanded of the face. It smiled at him. Zen repressed the impulse to shout. He knew what was going to happen next. "'I said, who are you?' Kuso shouted again. The crash of something in the gallery jerked his attention away. Twisting his head around, he saw that one of the soldiers engaged in carrying the loot of this cavern out to the plane waiting to hurry it to Asia had collapsed on the floor. Under ordinary circumstances, Kuso would have had the man summarily executed, but with that face smiling at him out of nothing, these circumstances were not ordinary. Zen, knowing what was going to happen, forgot the pain of his burned fingers and toes. He could feel it creeping over him in waves. This time he did not resist it. He let his eyes close. When he opened them, the torturer was snoring beside him. Every Asian in the big gallery was sound asleep. People were crowding around him. The new people. In a sweeping glance he recognized every person he had met here, except Nedra, and he did not see her at first, because she was busy bandaging his hands. West was smiling down at him with an expression that was somehow grandfatherly, but back of West's smile was a perturbation. Zen started to get to his feet and discovered they had not as yet removed the ropes from his legs. As one did this, Nedra clucked reprovingly at him and tried to tell him that he was wounded. He said this did not matter. Faces were here that he did not recognize. This did not matter either. "'You did this?' he said to West. "'Yes. I designed and built the equipment. Others were operating it in this instance.' West had something else on his mind. "'Thanks,' Zen said. "'Why didn't you take me with you when you went wherever it was you went?' "'We couldn't,' West answered. "'You haven't had the training.' "'Why did you come back?' "'To rescue you.' Kurt. West had something that he wanted to say. "'Nedra, will you stop fussing with me? I'm all right.' "'But your poor hands and feet—' "'I don't even feel them. I won't have them to feel at all unless action is taken. Don't you understand? Somewhere in Asia they're getting ready to launch a super-bomb. Or maybe it's already on its way.' "'I didn't know,' the girl said. "'The big one?' "'Yes.' A flicker of pain crossed her face, and she shook her head. "'I always wondered what it would be like to live on a mud-flat. I wonder if we will be oysters or eels, or maybe crabs.' "'What the hell are you talking about?' Zen demanded. "'After the bomb goes off,' the girl said. "'What then?' "'The race mind will have to start over again,' she explained. Her manner indicated that she was explaining something that she clearly understood. She seemed to wonder why he did not understand it. "'Maybe we will be turtles. That will be funny. A turtle that can remember when it was a man. That's the way it will be. Except—I know all about that. Except that the turtle won't be able to do anything about its memories,' the girl continued, as if she had not heard him. It will have flippers and a beak, but what it will need will be hands. It won't have them until it grows them itself. 
a turtle with the memories that it was once a man, knowing that if it had hands it could rebuild human culture. A bemused expression appeared on her face. I wonder how the race mind will solve that problem. Again she seemed to muse. It would be worse to be crabs. Or would it? Shut up, Zen snarled. We're not turtles yet, or crabs, and we're not going back on the mudflats. But we're on the edge of them, the girl insisted. One more teeter and we will go totter. Zen turned to West. What the hell has happened to Nedra? Nothing, the craggy man answered. She has some degree of clairvoyance, and it is coming to consciousness. Unfortunately, she has not yet had the time to develop her talents in that direction. Maybe the turtle wouldn't want to rebuild human culture, the girl interrupted. Maybe it wouldn't want to go back down that blind alley again. Perhaps it would decide to go into another channel, to develop into something totally different. In that case, it might not need hands." Zen deliberately ignored her. He turned to West. "'A bomb will be going off,' he said. "'That is what I've been trying to talk to you about,' the craggy man answered. "'This is another reason why we came back for you, so we could talk to you about that bomb.' "'To me?' Zen said, startled. "'Yes, to you. Why?' because you are a colonel of intelligence and have experience in such matters, also because you are something that none of us are, a fighting man." "'I... I don't understand you,' Zen answered. "'I can get you there, but once there my knowledge fails. I, to my regret, know nothing of fighting.' West spread his hands in a helpless gesture. "'Get me where?' Zen asked. To Asia. To the underground cavern where they are getting ready to launch that bomb," West explained. The tone of his voice said this was easy. The hard part came in knowing what to do, and being able to do it, after they were there. To Asia? Zen parroted the words. He had the dazed impression that this whole scene was unreal, that the snoring Asians on the floor, Cal huddled by the wall, and the new people crowding into the room would shortly all vanish in puffs of green smoke. How in the hell will you get us to Asia? How did we get out of this gallery? West responded. How did we vanish? How did the men in the reports you read get into the planes that were about to crash? Who landed Colonel Grant's space satellite? Who steered it? Who provided the power to energize the motion? Who— did you know I knew about Grant? It was obvious that you must know. And you can get me to Asia. You and as many others as you choose to take with you." Walking over to the sleeping lieutenant, he picked up the man's rifle, then turned to the group. "'Who will go with me to Asia?' he asked. The group stepped forward as one man. A knot formed in Kurt Zen's throat at the sight, and he gulped to force it down. He knew how much this decision meant to them. They had been trained in the ways of peace, they were searching for the road to the future. Fighting meant turning backward on the path that led to growth, it was the last thing they wanted to do. Yet do it they would, if it was necessary. In an instant they were scrambling for weapons from the sleeping Asians, then they were trying to salute and tell him their names and say they would follow him at the same time.
One man saluted well. "'Red Dog Jimmy Thurman,' he said. Pride was in the man's voice. Zen caught the man's arm. "'Red Dog Jimmy Thurman? But I know you.' "'Maybe you do, sir,' Thurman spoke with the soft drawl of the Old South. "'One of the new people appeared in your plane and saved your life,' Zen burst out. "'Yes, sir. That's right, sir. But you deserted.' Put it another way, sir, let's say I joined the right side. How did you find this place? I just kept thinking and kept trying. Eventually we found each other. The psychos tried to make me believe I was nuts. But I knew better. I knew what had happened, and I knew there had to be a reason for it. I kept hunting until I found that reason. The big part of the battle, where I had an advantage over most everybody else, was that I knew from experience that something was going on. Knowing this much, all I had to do was keep looking." The man's voice drawled the explanation. His eyes smiled. "'At your service, sir.' "'Do you know that going with me may mean death?' "'What's death, sir?' Red Dog Jimmy Thurman grinned. "'I died over the North Pole, sir.' "'Spike Larson,' another man said. You were in a sub," Zen challenged. A glow was coming up inside of him like nothing he had ever experienced before. He was getting fighting men to stand beside him. Yes, Larson answered, and I will consider it a privilege to stand beside you. Like soldiers, they passed in review before him, the fat boy, the tall, lean, brown-skinned youths. Somehow he thought there ought to be another one. He looked around for him. Grant was talking to West. Grant was the man whose face had looked out of thin air in the middle of the room. Seeing that Zen was staring at him, he left off his talk with the craggy man and came over and saluted. "'How was it up in that satellite?' Zen asked. "'Lonely as hell, Colonel,' Grant answered. "'Do you want to go with me to Asia?' "'There's no place on earth I'd rather go. And, the way things stand now, I don't have much choice. If they get that bomb into the air—" He left the sentence unfinished. Then Nedra was standing in front of Zen. At the sight of her it seemed to him that the world stood still. He shook his head. "'Why?' she challenged. "'Because I love you,' he answered. "'Then that is the real reason why you should take me with you,' she answered. "'I don't follow,' he said. "'If you fail, there will be no tomorrow,' she answered. To her the statement had no answer. Besides, I am a nurse, she continued. If there are wounded, I can help with them. But the fact that you love me does not enter into the situation. It is a thing apart. It is a very wonderful thing, she added hastily, the starlight shining in her eyes. And I wish we could bring it to fruit the ways it used to be. But those days are gone and I am going to Asia with you." Watching, West smiled. Zen spread his hands in a gesture of defeat. He turned to the craggy man. "'This sleep thing. I don't know how you do it, and don't much care. But you obviously have a portable generator of some kind that you use to put the lieutenant out in the ghost town.' "'Yes,' West agreed. "'I'd like to borrow the unit,' Zen said. "'Gladly, Colonel. I wish we had other weapons. We'll make do with what we have. 
San answered. End of chapter 13